like a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it's fine. I can't. The critic critics are fucking wrong. They're like, incorrect. Y'all, it's fine. It's a fine movie. It is a completely fine movie. If you like, seriously, adjust your fucking expectations, y'all. It's a goddamn rom com with a million celebrities. Like, what do you want? Welcome to Mortified, The Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations, all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I could be Jessica, I could be Julia, I could be Jennifer, who's to say? And this week, we celebrate the season of love with the 2010 romantic comedy, Valentine's Day. Before we exhaust the names of two dozen celebrities, please remember you can help us on Mortified the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on the YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Layla. Aaron. Do you think there's such a thing as having too many characters in a story? Uh, y- yes. I say tentatively. Um... But you know what's funny? I don't think there were necessarily too many in this one. I kind of agree. Um, I think there were definitely some that didn't add a whole lot, but I was glad that they were there. Right. And not to mention, um, this movie wasn't going for depth. It was going for feel-good neoliberal chaos, and I think it achieved that splendidly. Oh, 100%. So, Layla, did you see this movie? Have you ever seen this movie before, actually? Okay, I definitely think I either saw this one or New Year's Eve, another Gary Marshall uh, Mm -hmm. multi-celeb romp, uh, around the time it came out. And then I definitely have seen reviews for both on YouTube recently, so I was pretty... I was actually weirdly fresh on the story. What about you? So, yeah, I've seen both New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day. I did see Valentine's Day in theaters uh, when it came out. Uh, It was a great time. Uh, I I loved it then. And frankly, I loved it now. (laughs) Um, I think I have some some more, you know, I I have like, you know, 13 years more experience and criticism and and media analysis that I can, you know, uh, view this film through the lens of. But uh, I I still think it kicks ass. (laughs) Listen, I had a good time. I think there's there's some I think honestly my complaints just have to do with how how it aged. Um, right. But otherwise, it didn't age especially well, but it was all right. It could have been so much worse. It was very of its time. Uh and I had a I had a blast. Like <laughs> and I yeah. think we should go back to making just like dumb feel good fluffy like day in the life of a town with a bunch of celebrities no one's gonna understand the character names of movies yeah we're not gonna refer to these characters by their character names it couldn't matter less um except for one there's a boy there's a little boy who is not a celebrity um he's just gonna be referred to by his character name but um yeah i mean so the, the premise of this film right is that like on a day in valentine's day right in in 2010 it's a bunch of different people they're all their lives are all somehow secretly interwoven in ways that you know don't become immediately clear until after the whole film is played out 
Um, and they're all on these different uh, escalating story arcs. And, you know, you just kind of see how they, they resolve um, uh, because it's Valentine's Day. It's all about love. Um, although I think the New Year's Eve also is, is similarly rom-commy. Um, but yeah, basically, uh, we, you know, the Mortified Season 4 um, format has tr- tried to, you know, be able to run through the plot kind of straightforwardly and talk about characters organically as they come up. That is going to be impossible for this movie because there's 21 fucking characters and uh, the the plots are just completely all over the goddamn place. But we've broken it into several digestible arcs, which we will set up and then we'll talk about each of the arcs conclusions. Um, and I think that'll be hopefully uh, the most easy way to comprehend what we're about to try. If you haven't seen this movie, you know... I think it's still going to be pretty incomprehensible, but I do think it'll be fun for us to just say things like Ashton Kutcher had got shorted to $30 by a child. Um, that's, it's a good time. $32. Uh, and that's, 32, yes. that's before tax also. That's true. Okay. Um, do you want to start with the best friends arc and then I'll switch off to the grandpa grandson teens arc. Uh, and then you can do football uh, and then I'll do plane. Great. I love this for us. So <laughs> what Aaron refers to as the best friends arc uh, is starring Ashton Kutcher, Jennifer Garden, Jessica Alba, George Lopez, and Patrick Dempsey. Uh, in this, Ashton Kutcher starts by surprising his girlfriend, Jessica Alba, by proposing to her on the morning of Valentine's Day. She... Now the notes say she accepts, but Aaron, did you notice she did not actually say yes? I didn't notice that she allowed I, he, I she did a, like she allowed him to put the ring on but she was like ah this is yeah wow that's a good point that is a good point which is immediately the first red flag she did not ever say yes I clocked that immediately I was like ooh this is gonna go south um this the fact that she accepts though surprises or so Ashton thinks surprises Ashton's friend and Coworker George Lopez. Uh, Do you remember George Lopez? Man, I haven't seen that motherfucker in a minute. I used to uh, like if you play the opening tune of Lowrider to me, yeah. all I can da, think about da, is da, 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 yeah. Da, da, yeah, right. Because you watch Nick at Night, like I did. Yeah, yeah right. And I fell asleep 100%. to George Lopez. Yeah, one thousand. Right. That is where I know him from too. One hundred percent. And then fast forward. So if that was like in the early aughts when we were falling asleep to George Lopez, fast forward about fifteen years. Uh, Angie Lopez is in Undone. She's the main no character's way. mom, so I animated Angie Lopez for a while. Wow, that's really fun, actually. <laughs> she did a great job, that, by the way. Crushed it. That's great. I can't. Okay, that makes me three degrees away from George Lopez. That's wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I think I, I think I have like a breed, maybe interaction with our Instagram or something too. So yeah, for real. Incredible. Um, so uh, the two of them run a florist service in Los Angeles, and obviously it's Valentine's Day, so it's the busiest day of the year. Jennifer mm. Garden is an el- Garden Garner <laughs> is an elementary school teacher and Ashton's best friend, and she's also surprised that Jessica Alba said yes. Uh, she is sleeping with Patrick Dempsey, who is a, sar- a heart surgeon at a fancy hospital. Uh, Jessica Alba. Ashton Kutcher's fiance shows up at the floor shop and she's not wearing the ring. Red flag number two. In fact, she asks Ashton if they can keep their engagement a secret. And when Ashton, still blind to these red flags, so bad, (laughs) goes back to their house to talk to her and give her the most special flowers he could find, she's packing her bags 
and the dog goes with her. This is this is an unhinged reaction to not wanting to get married, I think. No, for real. Like I when I was watching this, I was like, is it normal? One when he when she was like, you know, they're talking about us having kids, blah 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 blah. Ashton was like, yeah, three. And it's like they never talked about it. Right, they never right. talked about their plans, how many kids they might want to have, what they might want to do. And I was like, you proposed, and then she had doubts, and instead of saying no, she leaves? Right. Like, the communication in this couple is so bad. He was right to be mad at George Lopez for him not telling him anything. (laughs) Yeah, like, like, seriously, like, listen, fellas, if you have uh, a best bro who is a little bit of an idiot, you love him, but he's dumb as hell— you kind of sometimes got to take it, take him by the arm and say, my my dude, my guy, how is your relationship holding up? Because it seems like your partner's not that into you. <laughs> yeah, uh, Aaron, if this ever happens to me, I trust you to, to bash me upside the head with a baseball bat of truth. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. holy dicks, this is a lot for Valentine's Day. Anyway, it's bad. Uh, Patrick Dempsey then comes into Ashton's florist shop and he orders two bouquets, one for Jennifer Garner, Ashton Kutcher's best friend, and one for his wife. Jennifer Mm. Garner, who's in love with his heart surgeon, Patrick Dempsey, is planning to uh, hop on a plane to San Francisco to go see him for his surgery for Valentine's Day. Uh, And uh, Ashton Kutcher is like, hey, actually, I just learned uh, he's married and you should not do that. Uh, so Jennifer Garner still goes. She arrives at the hospital where uh, Patrick Dempsey works and the hospital secretary, because of female solidarity or something, I guess, tells Mm -hmm. her that Patrick Dempsey is celebrating his 15th anniversary at a nearby restaurant. Garner dresses up like a waitress in a hot black mini dress. Uh, and because the host is one of her son's parents or one of her, her, uh, the kids that she teaches parents or students' parents, and loves her as a teacher, he lets her put on an apron and go put on a whole fucking improv show in front of Patrick Dempsey and his wife. And it is like... (laughs) It's really good. We both had the note that, like, this improvised recipe for pig testicles is incredible. She really serves it. It's so good. And then she leaves him and his wife at their dinner. Ah! It's great. Uh, So that's, that's the bulk of their arc. You want to talk about the grandparents and the teens? Okay, so this arc I've titled Grandpa, Grandson, and Teens because it involves uh, Hector uh, Elizondo, who you'll know from, I believe, the Princess Diaries, right? That's yes, the Anne Hathaway. He's yep. Joseph, and I love him. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Shirley MacLaine, who I feel like is in a lot of movies, um, but she, she plays the grandma. Uh, Edison, who is the only non famous person in, that we're going to talk about today, he's just a boy, uh, but he's like their grandson. Uh, we have. Uh, Carter Jenkins and Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts is the nanny of Edison the boy. Carter Jenkins is her boyfriend. Both of them are in high school. And also, Taylor Swift and Lautner are here for some reason. I mean, like, Um, Taylor Lautner is just coming off the Twilight High at this point. I mean, right. Like, I don't think Breaking Dawn Part 2 or whatever has aired. I don't think it's over, but, like, this is right in the middle. Eclipse hasn't even come out yet. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, like, this is still, you know, peak uh, Taylor stardom. Um, for both uh, Swifts and Lautner, you know, Taylor Swift doesn't get uh, upstaged by Ye West uh, until 2011 uh, at the uh, the VMAs. Um, fun fact. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, so basically, 
Hector Elizondo and Shirley MacLaine are, you know, they're, they're rich people. I think uh, Elizondo is some sort of architect. Um, and McLean, she is a actress, basically. She's like a super famous movie actress. Um, enjoying retirement with her grandson, Edison. Um, and he's sad because it's Valentine's Day and uh, his mom isn't there. And, you know, they they used to make Valentine's on Valentine's Day. And that's really sad. Um what did you think was up with the mom? Because I was like, oh, she's dead as fuck. This is what they're implying. Oh, so again, I was really fresh on... Oh, so you knew what was happening. I knew, okay. yeah. I knew that that uh, a, a different character was his mom. But uh-huh. the way the script is written, there was a moment where I was like, wait, is she dead? <laughs> they never confirm... They, they always frame it like they say, oh, she used to parentheses when she was still alive and not when she was deployed uh, um like this is it's so funny that they try to do this misdirect but it's like whatever i'm here for it fuck it um but yeah basically you know he's he's sad but also he um wants to send a valentine to the girl he loves he's like i would say he's like in the fourth grade it seems like i don't know um, they're learning chemistry so they could be really short 10th graders uh, here's the thing <laughs> They do learn chemistry at one point, which is very impressive for uh, mid- for elementary school children, but whatever. Um, but he's like, you know, he wants to send this Valentine to a girl he's into. Um, and he asks his grandparents about advice for love. He's like, oh, you know, you know, does your heart go go really fast? And it's real, it's real cornball shit. Uh, but there is one, um, you know, thing where he like um, Elizondo is talking about uh, how he met McLean. Um, and he's talking about how, like, you know, she's been reading my mind ever since, you know, he walked up to her one day and wanted to ask her to dinner, but he couldn't say anything. He was too nervous. Uh, and then she was like, okay, I'll meet you here at 630. You know, I've been reading your mind ever since. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's this line where it's like, oh, you know, he's like, oh, and he, you saw this pretty girl and the pretty girl was grandma. And he says, the pretty girl is grandma. And that works for me. That really does it for me in a major way. I'm just like, it's sincere and it's corny, but it's like really nice. Um, And I I just, I love, I think the resolution of this arc is very stupid. And I watched this with my partner who is a marriage and family therapist and does not agree with how this would have gone down. But um, I, I still think it's fun. Um, but yeah, basically, um, they're talking, this, having this conversation, and then uh, Emma Roberts shows up to take um, Edison to school, and she, <laughs> so she's not like his big sister or anything, she just works for these people, uh, and they're like talking, and she's like, ah, oh, well, here's the thing, I'm gonna fuck my boyfriend today. <laughs> we haven't done it before, so, you know, we figured might as well do it, right? And her employers are like, well... You know, we we only have had sex with each other. You know, that's you know, I know that you young people like are are, are little sluts or whatever, but like you know, we good good old fashioned Christians. I don't think they're Christian. Um, well, have only had sex with each other. We've never we've always been very virtuous. And then at this point, um, Shirley McLean immediately gets upset and leaves the dinner table, and it's like ah, well, that's gonna be a, a conflict, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, um, I find the the I think everyone in this movie is implied Christian unless they loudly and for no reason tell you they are Jewish, like that one lady to the nuns. Yes, there's a lot of people being like, "I'm this ethnicity," um, which is not great. It's pretty bad. Um, Immigrants, we get the job done. God, it is truly like this is the era of pre Hamilton. Um, but like, 
Yeah, anyway, it's revealed that uh, Elizondo was on a business trip one time, you know, like 30 years ago, and uh, McLean slept with his business partner, um, and they, you know, had this affair and didn't go on for long, but still, you know, obviously that's a breach of, of their marriage. It's not great. He's really upset by this. He storms off to go to this, like, cinema cemetery thing that, like, they, they go to every year, and, you know... They put on some of her shows or like movies she's been in, so like that's kind of fun. But you know, he he just goes and storms off because he's like, you know, pretty devastated that his marriage of you know 30, 40 years is is not built on the soundest foundation. That's pretty tough. That's fair. Um, anyway, we'll we'll deal with that in a bit. Um, we cut to high school where we meet Taylor Swift and Lautner, who they're they've just been you know I don't know how long they've been dating. Wikipedia says they've they've been dating a short time. They're just really horny. Um, they make out a lot, and but they're also like, they're also like really stupid. Like that's kind of their whole bit is that uh, Taylor Lautner's a dumb jock. He like he's doing hurdles uh, in track, and he um just like eats shit a couple times, and it's really funny. Uh, and then Taylor Swift um does like this. T- she's like on the dance team, and she's like does all these really really bad dance moves. And I was like, this isn't funny to me. I don't think this is very good. And then uh, my wife was like, well. This is actually a meta commentary about Taylor Swift because she's been criticized for um, being a bad dancer. Uh, so she's doing this intentionally. I was like, ah, great. I'm glad the Swifties are, are eating today. That's that's well well done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think that they, basically what they do, the purpose that they serve is to kind of be comic relief and also hype up uh, Emma Roberts and um, uh, is it Alex Jenkins? Uh Carter Jenkins. Basically, they're just like, here's here's Alex our sex is advice. Alex's character name. That one stuck his, to you. His, yes, I don't know why Alex stuck to me. Um, he made a pretty strong impression, though, uh, as, as we'll see in a bit. But yeah, I don't know that the Taylors added anything to this film, but I'm glad they were here. Yeah, no, I enjoyed seeing them. I think Taylor Swift's entrance is great because she just like walks into the elevator with Julia Roberts with the biggest teddy bear you've ever seen in your entire life uh, to the point where it completely encapsulates her entire upper body. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. You cannot see her until she has to, like, because of the weight of the bear, set it down. And it's like, oh, there's Taylor Swift. Interesting. I, it's really funny. It truly, I, they, they don't add anything. They're just there to be hot and horny. And that's the kind of flavor I want. Honestly, truly. Um, so anyway, so after this sex talk, uh, Carter Jenkins is like, okay, I'm going to go back to Emma Roberts' house. I'm going to get ready so we can fuck. Um, this is the funniest scene in the whole movie to me. It's really good. It's really good. Um, he shows up. You know, he gets into her bedroom. And he's like, okay, I've got my guitar. I'm going to play her a love song. He's in his boxer shorts. And then he takes them off. And he's hiding his dick behind his guitar. Uh, and he starts practicing. And he has, he has this, like, really cornball song. It's like, oh, Grace, when I saw your face, make my heart race like a high-speed chase. I don't know why that stuck with me. But, um, you know, it's obviously, like, a, a silly cornball song. Uh, but he's playing this. He's practicing a song. Her mom comes back home early. She hears someone playing guitar in her house. And she shows up and she sees him naked. And there's this exchange where he's just like, ah, what are you doing home? And she's just like, I live here. What are you doing here? And he's like, uh, I'm practicing guitar. And she's like, naked. He's like, yes, thank you. Of course. It's it's an experiment. Um, and she's like, okay, please get out of my room. Uh, please don't bend over. Holy shit. Um, and like, he has to like run naked. Uh, his girlfriend is pulling in. Emma Roberts is pulling in. She's like, why are you naked and running out of my house? Uh, and he's like, um, well, your mom showed up. Uh, and she's like, oh, what did you tell her? And he's like, I, I said I was practicing. And she's like, did she 
did she buy it? And he's like, well, my fear may be very convincing. <laughs> I think he said something so along good. the lines of like, it's experimental avant-garde. <laughs> like, avant-garde, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. That's, it's a great sequence. That's one of like, uh, that is one of the few uh, scenes in this film that like actually stuck in my long-term memory. Cause I was like, that's fun. I remembered that it was a great time. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's that. Um, oh, also, Sidebar for the boy. Um, Edison goes to purchase flowers from Ashton Kutcher's flower shop, uh, personally buying uh, a dozen red roses uh, from Ashton Kutcher. And there's a really funny line where, like, this kid gives him, like, 12 bucks at Ashton Kutcher's like, damn, uh, man, you, you shorted me. Uh, but then, like, the kid also asks for a receipt, and he's like, oh, man, they're auditing you, too. <laughs> like, man, I can't, they can't keep a good man down, huh? It's just... <laughs> It's so funny. I think Ashton Kutcher's performance is, like, really good at this. Honestly, this is the most charming I've ever seen Ashton Kutcher. He is just, like, being a little cornball, just being a little, little golden retriever, running around, having a good time, screaming that he's engaged. Like, it's so good. I love his performance. I also just, like, I love this universe they've built where this little boy walks in in this flower shop with $13. He buys a card and he wants a $55 rose arrangement. And Ashton Kutcher's just like, you know what? All right. I'm sure. No words. I know where the elementary school is. I'm going to just, I'm going to mm-hmm. just humor this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really nice. It is such an, like, it's this film is like the plot is like you know gossamer thin it's barely there you know just like the spider web that connects everybody that's like that's like the the plots here but like that's all you kind of need it's all character moments and like you know when i'm thinking about storytelling and trying to make my characters endearing to people like this is such a good moment that's like okay this is the kind of character that ashton kutcher is right he he's a guy who's like you know what fuck it i'm gonna eat 30 dollars today because this kid uh is just so cute (laughs) um i love it it's great ashton kutcher in this film is what I think the uh, Adam Conover ripoff protagonist in the Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie we watched aspired to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, 100%, right? It's just not not quite as, like, like you know, I, I, I'm, everybody in that film tried their best, but, like, this is, like, genuinely charming in a way that, like, is is very impressive for... <laughs> for this movie got, like, a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes, like... It's fine. I can't... The critic critics are fucking wrong. They're like, incorrect. Y'all, it's fine. It's a fine movie. It is a completely fine movie. If you like, seriously, adjust your fucking expectations, y'all. It's a goddamn rom com with a million celebrities. Like, it, what do you want? It's well this isn't shot. Fucking Citizen Kane. Yeah, I would argue it's actually really well art directed for what it is because like. So the, there's this, like, weird running gag where one of Jennifer Garner's students keeps taking his shirt off for some reason. <laughs> yes. It's really Franklin, good. this is the kid. Yeah. The kid that, his, that the parent of works in the restaurant. Yes. This is oh, that so parent. when you look at the restaurant scene on the host stand under the glass are a bunch of pictures of Franklin taking his shirt off. Oh, that rules. That's so fun. <laughs> And it's like there's like he's like my son Franklin, and then he backs away from the stand, and you just see that little boy in his shirtless. I was like, that's a nice touch. Come on. Like, uh, I wish that you know we we sometimes review bad movies on this podcast, and like we sometimes we remove movies that we want to like on this podcast, and it's like ah, uh, I just wish that like. Like for Pinocchio, right? As, as our most recent one that was like not great. Like I wish that the the Disney Which Pinocchio one? had like the Disney one specifically <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, had like even a tenth of the the like heart and and like you know care that went into it that this movie did. Like uh, it's 
I, don't, I cannot uh, believe that I'm longing for 2010 in some ways. I well, yeah, simpler times. I mean, some like, ways. I feel like I feel like Disney. Uh, there's this just a quick sidebar, but there's this like documentary. I guess they published about the. I don't know if you've seen tweets about it. The making of Frozen 2, where at the time the trailer for Frozen 2 released, they were only 22% complete, and they still didn't know what the uh, the voice that was calling Elsa. They had no idea who that was. And oh when Kristen God. Bell saw the trailer. She was, like, confused as to whether or not she was giving the right performance because the tone of the trailer was so different from the performance she was giving. Wow, yeah. I remember that trailer being, like, weirdly, like, non-specific. Yeah. But so, like, that's the Disney Corporation now. You know what I mean? Like, it's this very, like, how do we... I don't know. I, I think it's probably bad that they didn't plan this far ahead. Meanwhile, these people coordinated 22 of the biggest names in Hollywood in 2010. Are you fucking kidding me? That's incredible. Right. Like, listen, this is what your shit is, right? This is why you have producers, right? Oh, yeah. Those producers deserve a fucking Nobel Peace Prize for getting all these people situated before Seriously. CGI was believable enough to fake any of them, you know? Right, right. Uh, but the the last thing for this boy arc, basically, um, the, the, the flowers he buys from Aston Kutcher um, don't get delivered because while George Lopez is driving, he is rear-ended by a football player that we're going to talk about here in a sec. Um, and it breaks the car door, so, like, a bunch of flowers get lost, including this poor kid's uh, flowers and car, which is really sad. Um, so Edison goes to track down Ashton Kutcher, like, on his bike. Uh, he finds him at the store. He's like, you owe me flowers, you son of a bitch. And, like, Ashton Kutcher, like, takes it. He's like, oh, my God, I am so sorry, and, like, personally gives him, like, the flowers he was going to give to his fiance, uh, who is now, at this point, broken up with him. He gives him that and, like, drives them to this party that we're going to talk about, but, like, this is the party that the girl he likes is is at uh it's it's really it's great it's good yeah which brings us to the football arc featuring eric dane jessica beale jamie fox anne hathaway topher grace of that 70s show fame and my queen queen latifah uh queen latifah in the film adaptation of chicago like imprinted on me at a young age i love queen latifah um, you know, I, I haven't seen her around. Maybe that's just because I haven't been watching a lot of, of media. I hope she's doing well. She's doing well. She, I think she was just in something on Netflix. Um, I Good. Think, yeah, 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 yeah. She looks great. She did a Hot Ones interview um, that went really well. <clears throat> so Anne Hathaway, love of my life, and Topher Grace wake up together. They've been uh, dating for two weeks and apparently are very horny for each other. This movie overall, genuinely incredibly horny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Hathaway's got to get to work, though, and she's, like, rushing to do it, uh, where she's a receptionist uh, for a talent agent. It's unclear. I don't uh, know. <laughs> who's to say? Uh, and while she's at work, we find out she is also a phone sex operator uh, because she has to cover her student loan debts in Los Angeles. So uh, I, I want to talk about phone sex operators because that joke feels a little dated in 2010. Quite. Right? Because, like internet porn's been around for a long time at this point like i think that probably killed the phone sex industry i'm sure there's some you know only fans like exist right i'm sure you can get phone sex somewhere but like it's it's a silly joke it's a silly joke um uh, that being said anne hathaway's out there doing full character voices and prop comedy no like seriously work. she she should be you know hire her netflix like come on get get this uh, girl on an anime yeah for real she's 
she was like talking about whipping uh one of her clients and she had this like rubber band ball she was yeah. snapped. it was incredible she's doing foley she can do it all like, come she on. yeah she's multi-talented so uh half of his boss is queen latifah who is the a- a- talent agent for eric dane who is a football player who is old and sucks at football um <laughs> Everyone thinks he's going to retire because he's starting to suck so bad. Uh, but he's sad because his partner has apparently recently dumped him. Uh, so he reruns George Lopez while driving to a meeting with Queen Latifah and Jessica Biel, who is friends with J- Jennifer Gardner. I'm already starting to stumble over my J's. <laughs> Here it comes. Here's the J storm. Jessica Biel is throwing an I hate Valentine's Day dinner party like she does every year, but no one's RSVP'd so far. Jennifer Gardner tells her it'll be fine because it's L.A. and no one RSVPs for anything, but she herself is not going to be there because at this mm-hmm. point she thinks she's flying to see her boyfriend. Right. Uh, after meeting with everyone, uh, Eric Dane gives a press conference uh, where he comes out as gay, uh, and he says he's going to keep playing football. Uh, at this What's press the line that he says? He says, uh, I'm gay and I'm going to play, literally. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Good. Um, fun fact. So I assume that he's, you know, playing for like an a Los Angeles NFL team that I am not going to not be able to put in the name. But like the actual first NFL player to come out as, as gay came out in 2021. Yeah. Like that's it is just weird to see like how this thing, which would have been, you know, was not precedent and like didn't actually happen until extremely recently. Well, we'll talk about we'll talk about something else I noticed uh, when we get to the oh, endings yeah. listen, of all these arcs. Listen, right? It's still 2010 in, in very many ways. Oh yeah. Well, you know, Jamie Fox even at, says some like. So uh, okay, let me get through this. So at this press conference, Jamie Fox, and we we haven't talked <laughs> about Jamie Fox yet. He's here. Uh, he's been doing interviews because he's the number two sports guy at the the Los Angeles local news station. Uh, he meets Jessica Biel. Uh, they hit it off. And he gets an invite to the I Hate Valentine's Day party. Uh, mind you, Jamie Foxx is here because he wanted this to be his exclusive, so he could now be the number one sports guy at the station. Uh, at dinner, Topher Grace and Anne Hathaway uh, get into a fight when Topher Grace learns she's been ditching him to work a phone sex line. He's just a little guy from Indiana. This is overwhelming him. Uh, and he fucks off on the street, basically. I, I don't like the portrayal of how people from Indiana are a bunch of fucking idiot losers like Topher Grace. <laughs> he is from Muncie, which you seem to he have He is some from beef. Muncie, which, listen, you can't, he has an IU, like, pennant or flag on his, on his, like, room, uh, but he's from Muncie, which means that he actually probably went to Ball State, uh, and just wanted a better, uh, basketball team. Ball and State? you know what? Sent me so many flyers when I was applying really? for school. Oh, yeah. Really? Ball huh. State want to be bad. Mm, listen, you're too good for Ball State. Thank you. Listen, if you if you are an alum of Ball State, I'm sorry to dunk on your alma mater. If it's any uh, if it's any consolation, I also hate IU, and, <laughs> and, I, and I went and I graduated from there. So yeah, I hate RIT, and I graduated from there. So you're you're in good company. <laughs> Academia, woo! woo! All right, you want to talk about what's going on? What goes on in my favorite place in the world, an aeroplane? Yeah, the plane arc's really, really quick. Um, Julia Roberts and Bradley Cooper are sitting together on an airplane. Uh, Julia Roberts is a captain in the United States Army. She's taking a super long flight back to see somebody who, you know, Bradley Cooper immediately assumes is like a husband or a boyfriend or whatever. Um, and, and he's just like, oh, that must be one lucky guy. Um, but, you know, they, they hit it off. It seems like Bradley Cooper is, like, hitting on her a little bit. But also, you know, like, all the weight, uh, the stewardesses are, like, like, looking at him and, like, making eyes and just, like, you know, obviously, like, very into him. Well, because he's, you know, he's 2010's heteronormative hot. Right. 
I mean, he he looks like a, a white guy, not to tell you. Um, but like they they start getting along. I, I think that the, one of my favorite lines from this was Julia Roberts being like, you know, it's my th- it's my job to read people. Like I understand your psychology and everything. I was like, Julia, you did did you learn this at Guantanamo? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know what you people did there. Like oh you should God. not be using this. It's just on like, civilians. It's just like Anne Hathaway who was talking to Topher Grace when she's leaving his apartment the first time. And she's like, your neighbor thought you were gay. Don't worry. I set her straight. And I'm like, did you describe Topher Grace's dick in detail to his poor neighbor while you were asking her for coffee? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, Ugh. there's just some wild lines in here. They're like, man, the implications of this are something. Um, anyway, basically, um they they have a good time they finally land the airplane um and uh julia roberts goes home to see her uh man and uh bradley cooper actually gives her his personal limousine so she can get there faster which is very sweet of him okay so we've we've done the thing that this film has done which is left all of the conclusions off to the last moment um shall we take the same Yes. Ones that we, yeah. So, so do you want to do best friends? Uh, Kutcher and Garner end up getting together because at some point Jennifer Garner realized she was actually in love with her best friend. Their respective partners are either dumped or want them back. Um, I thought this was one of the horse shit endings. Um, it was incredible. If you were going to get engaged that morning and you're making out with your best friend, mm, but listen, I, I am 100% able to suspend my disbelief because this is a rom-com and with a very silly premise. That's fair. I could not for this specific one. Uh, and also, I kind of, one of my favorite lines in this movie is here because like he, at the end of the day, right, he's got all these like dead flowers or the flowers that didn't sell. And he's like standing on a bridge that's over like a river or something. And he is throwing the heads of the flowers into this river. Um, and Garner walks up to uh, Kutcher and she's like, you know, what are you doing? He's like, well... I'm giving these flowers, you know, a second chance. Like, you know, they didn't—they weren't want, wanted by anybody. You know, normally, you know, sometimes you'd throw them out. But I, I just like the idea that somebody will take this flower. They'll see this, you know, this blossom and be like, oh, I want to keep this. And like, that really worked for me. I really like the sentiment of a guy trying to, you know, even even how silly it is, like trying to save the heads of flowers, even though I don't think that's how flowers work. There are a couple of moments in this movie, and this was one of them, where I felt like genuinely old, where I really felt like I'm aging. And this was this was one of them because he was doing that, and I was sitting there, head in hands, going, oh, my God, but I don't think <laughs> those roses are native to California. What happens when they get in the water supply? Are the oh ducks, ducks going to be okay if they, like, eat one? Is it going to do it? Like, that... That is where I'm. And the same thing when Jennifer Garner was like, I'm going to, or sorry, yes, Jennifer Garner was like, going to hop on a plane. She's like, I'm going to go see my boyfriend in in San Francisco. And I was like, what were the flights like back then? Were they that affordable that an elementary school teacher could just hop on a plane day in, day out? That's a pretty good thing. I'm, I just, I'm aging, Aaron. Listen, you gotta, (laughs) gotta worry about practical and ecological concerns uh, once you near 30. Yeah. It's the worst. Anyway, you want to talk about how the teens end up? Yeah, so grandpa, grandson, teens. Um, so Elizondo, who's the grandpa, uh, you know, he meets up with Topher Grace, who, you know, walked out of the, um, after having the fight with Anne Hathaway, he walked into this this cinema thing because they were going to go watch a movie together. Um, but like El- Elizondo and Topher end up going to, you know, watch this movie and they have a talk about the importance of staying committed in a relationship, even when you're unsure. Um, McLean, the grandma, shows up and she's like, you know what? 
um <laughs> hector elizondo i did cheat on you once and um that doesn't matter because we love each other uh and at this point my marriage and family therapist uh wife uh said that's hmm, i don't like that that's horseshit because um in in relationships the longer you go concealing a, a horrible secret the worse it becomes um and like she, she didn't find that especially plausible and i was like yeah this is pretty dog shit they're not they're not doing any work to get over this like terrible betrayal but um it's fine (laughs) yeah and for the purposes of this movie i was like i get what this is shorthand for right right like that's the thing like you cannot actually get into the logistics of like having a a like difficult and um drawn out you know um, reconciliation process in a two-hour rom-com with a million fucking characters. Like, I'm here for it. I truly am. I'm just like, you know what? You need to you need a shorthand for your storytelling, and that's fine. Um, but anyway, uh, they kiss and make up. Uh, the little boy Edison shows up at this party to give flowers to who other but Jennifer Garner, his teacher. I oh, should have seen should have seen this coming because he was a fucking narc. Yes, that's the he he tells all his classmates to settle down when they're being loud. It's like, oh, that's the hint is that he's in love with his teacher, which is very funny uh, because he's a little shit. Um, but anyway, he's like, you know, I I love you so much, and she's like, hey kid, I'm like way older than you. Uh, he's like, yeah, but you know, is that is that a problem? She's like, yes, legally, morally, ethically, spiritually, kind of a a. a kind of a deal breaker but your classmate uh radney um she's over there and um she's super into you there's also an indian wedding because she's at the i hate valentine's day party right now um and but it's also in the same venue as like this indian restaurant um so there's like an indian wedding going on and he points uh she points uh, edison over to radney uh and he gives her these like super nice flowers and it's very sweet sure um anyway uh also, the teens, uh, Emma Roberts and uh, Jenkins, um, don't end up having sex. Uh, they are just like, you know what? Um, we can love each other, but not also have to ha- have sex when we go off to college because we we care about each other. And when I watched this movie, I was still very Catholic. So I was like, ah, oh, that's right. That is how this plot line should have ended. That This is moral. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, like I said, everyone in this movie is Christian unless loudly specified otherwise. <laughs> yes, that is that is true. Um, do you want to talk about the football arc? Yeah, so Topher Grace shows up at Anne Hathaway's apartment and apologizes for being a dick. They fuck. This is another one of those where I was like, fine, I'll buy into it. He made her a cute little collage. The collage was nice. But in real life, this would have been a longer conversation. Well, in real life, this is just—they've been together for two weeks. Like, this is just a breakup. <laughs> like, yeah, this is on. just a. This is just a. You're a, you're an asshole. But I mean, I feel like statistically, most m- more men nowadays would have less of a problem with their girlfriend doing some sort of like non-committal, non-physical, like phone oh, sex yeah. operation type oh, thing. Oh, one hundred percent right. Uh, like, you, you're a weirdo if you if you that bothers you. <laughs> yeah, like if your partner doesn't care and it's just, they're just doing it as a job, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, so Jessica Biel and Jamie Foxx headed off at the I Hate Valentine's Day party. They have a cute little thing at the TV studio. Uh, Eric Dane is met at home by Bradley Cooper, who was the <gasps> partner in question. Whoa! Whoa! 
and so Bradley there are gay people in this. Bradley Cooper saw he came out. He forgives him. Wants to get back together with him. But but very interesting that during this little scene where everyone else is kissing, the men were not allowed to. They do not kiss. It's 2010, um, baby. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, like listen, I I watched for that too because I was like, there's no way they made out, right? Yeah. And like, listen, they don't get I, I don't know anything about the, the politics or, you know, personal preferences of these two actors. Uh, I wonder if they were like, hey, I'm not going to kiss a man in this role. I don't think the or, studio would have gone for it. Really? I don't even think it was on the table. Interesting. I genuinely, I don't even think there was a question, a discussion, anything. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely trust your judgment. Um, but like, it is just so interesting, right? We, we... I've been on Twitter, um, and today a trending topic is like, oh, everybody's talking about how sex scenes are unnecessary, right? This happens, like, once every 10 days. Um, And, like, it is just wild to see how, like, you know, 13 years ago, like, two men kissing was, like, like outright, you know, banned by studios. Like, that's that's really something, just to see how far we've come. Yeah, I genuinely don't think that this was even, like on the table for them i maybe maybe they would have been uncomfortable with it but you know what we've come such a long way that who was it ryan um uh uh deadpool uh what's his name reynolds ryan reynolds and andrew garfield like made out an award show as a joke (laughs) like like we're you know things are things are a little bit easier now um not that's nice not easy but there's been strides. I think we can acknowledge that. Uh, Queen Latifah gets a call from one of Anne Hathaway's phone sex clients, the the Russian kinky one. I thought, listen, I thought this was okay. very f- funny. I, I laughed a lot at this. <laughs> I Queen Latifah is so fucking funny. I mm, there the only thing that would I have on. put this in the movie today? No, no. But I did laugh a lot. <laughs> listen, it was very funny. Here's my problem. My problem was that why didn't Queen Latifah get to fuck anyone? Hmm. It's because she's fat. Right. Gary Gary Marshall. This is another mm. one of those like 2010s things. You know what I mean? Like everyone right. in this movie is so delectably right. white hot, and I'm like, please. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, right. I know. beg of thee. Uh, but talk about- sh- the joke that she says when she's talking to the the man, because like uh, Anne Hathaway has been doing like a Russian Tsarina like role play with him throughout the course of this movie uh but then she's like oh well you you don't know uh love until you've been with a real african queen uh then she <laughs> says very loudly in a commanding voice kneel before nzinga which is very funny but also like i don't know she's the only black woman character in this movie like i don't feel great about laughing about that like <laughs> It is definitely a joke of the type. Um, you know, we, we watched Cog on Bible Boys uh, last week, and they had a similar joke where it's like, ah, oh, there's a there's the one black character in this movie makes a you know makes a joke about how or like it just goes on the screen. It's like, ah, oh, look, laugh at the funny black lady. So like, I don't know. I think that Queen Latifah could have done whatever the fuck she wanted in this movie, uh, except for maybe you know. I, I think you're right that maybe there was some you know hesitation about pairing her up because she is um you know a larger woman uh which is unfortunate um but i I don't think that she made this i think she was happy to make this joke i yeah the line itself i don't know how i feel about but her delivery of that line oh it's great incredible she's such a great comedic actress i think there is something so revolutionary to me about queen latifah because when i was growing up um Queen Latifah as Mama Morton in Chicago when she gets to be, like, sexy and big and brassy and fun. And then she also had a run of rom-coms where she did actually get to make out with someone. Changed my brain chemistry. Thank you, Queen Latifah. She's the best. I love her. Shout out. Um, 
the plane arc is pretty straightforward. Uh, we already talked about how Bradley Cooper went home to his boyfriend, Dane. Um, turns out Julia Roberts, the captain, her man that she's going back home to is actually her son, Edison. Uh, and she tucks him in for, for bed and says, happy Valentine's Day. And it's cute. It's it completely good. fine. Is Yeah, like we said, it was alluded that Edison's mom is like straight up dead. Nope, <laughs> it's Julia nope. Roberts. Nope, she's just doing war crimes. <laughs> oh my god, also there's a post-credits, or not a post-credits, a mid-credits scene, I guess. Uh, I, Julia- didn't, I didn't see this, so what <gasps> happens? Julia Roberts is in the limo, and the limo driver's like asking her, uh, they're like driving past Rodeo Drive, and he's like, oh, have you ever actually shopped on Rodeo? And she goes, <laughs> she goes, I did actually one time, big mistake big huge which is a reference to pretty woman ah i see when she Very goes good. shopping on rodeo and the ladies are really mean to her and they uh they kick her out of the first the, the store the first time i think that she comes back with the money from uh richard gear i think that's who's in that movie right yeah and I think so. so when they're when they're like have to be nice to her the second time she has the credit card she's like big mistake big huge very fun <laughs> I love speaking of problematic movies I love <laughs> rom-coms of that era mwah, they're everything to me I know they're terrible but like I grew up on them so I can't help it what, what are you gonna do um you know I hope the listeners are gonna be after the the ones who have to judge but I feel like that was about as comprehensible as we could have made that honestly I think you did a great job writing that up yeah yeah it, it was a lot it was a lot of IMDB and Wikipedia <laughs> and just confusing people with J names but we did it um Layla, uh, if we let's, how do you feel about this structure? You know, as this interlocking character structure, because like, I think that it is difficult to parse in many ways, but also like in this film, I feel like it works more often than it doesn't. I think that if you wanted to apply this structure to like a big sweeping like fantasy franchise or something, it would not work for anybody but the most hardcore of fans who are like willing to do homework. But if you want to stick a bunch of like jarringly recognizable celebrities to the point where you don't remember their character name, you only remember their like their name in association with their face into a movie like this i think it makes it a lot easier for me to keep track of like i don't know where aragorn Saren of arathorn's going but i sure can know an ashton kutcher when i see him that's a really good point this is a thing that i bring up a lot with nouns in in fantasy which is like uh if if your noun is not like something that i'm already aware of it really hurts my ability to read your book um but yeah, that's a really good point. Is if you just throw a bunch of like faces that everyone already knows, it's like, oh, okay, I can keep track of these people because I already know who they are. Um, that's that's a really good point. Um, and yeah, like I, I think there are some some books that do this. I think um, you know I talk about Fondly all the time. I think the Greenbone uh, Saga. It not it's not quite nearly as many characters, but there are a lot of characters that like are pretty relevant to the plot in, in many ways. Um, I think finally does a good job of that, but like, it's, it's very hard to do. Um, and I'm, I'm impressed. I just, I, I think this, this movie nailed it more or less. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, this movie was made not for critical consumption. This movie was made for a bunch of ladies in, uh, in the like 32 to 48 age bracket 
who know all these celebrities, who read all the gossip mags, who could get the meta commentary about Taylor Swift from their daughter. It's for them to come have a good time in the movie theater or on their couch after this is playing on pay-per-view for 90 minutes where their kids don't bother them and they don't have to pay attention all the way because they don't need to know Ashton Kutcher's character name. They just need to know that he wants to get married and then did not get married and oh no, what are we gonna do now? Yeah. And that's beautiful. I think. I think we need more movies like this. Just fluffy nothing. It's great. R.I.P. Gary Marshall. You were a fucking legend. You you gotta hand it to the man. Um, Layla, if we were, however, mm-hmm. going to try to create something similar to this, where we just had, you know, minimum 20, maximum 50 uh, characters, mm-hmm. uh, how how would we structure this? How would we... What, what would we need? What would the resources we need? Um, you know, um... What's his name? Michael Eisner. Just keep taking notes while you're while you're listening. I know you're out there. Um, but yeah, this is this is going to be our next property that Disney will probably fund um, because clearly, as we've made reference to in this episode, they can they are, their production pipeline can handle the logistics of this sort of thing. Apropos that you you summon Michael Eisner uh, to listen to us, I think Aaron. I think it's time. I think we need to start pitching the Organization Thirteen rom com miniseries. The live-action adaptation. Oh, my God. That would be really good. It would be really good is the thing, because it's essentially an office comedy. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, we really just do, like, a a sitcom, like, yeah, office comedy with Organization 13, and occasionally Mm -hmm. um, Haley Haley Joel Osment shows up and, like, murders someone. Mm -hmm. But, oh, God. Uh, We got to have – it's Justin Timberlake, right, who does Roxas? Uh, no. No. It's not. Just, it's Jesse McCartney. So, I'm sorry, Mr. McCartney. I'm so sorry. It's been a while. Um, How could you forget him and his beautiful soul? Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, well, he doesn't have one in Organization 13. No, but uh, he does. That is the name of his uh, his album that I played on repeat in the early 2000s. Good Lord. Um, well, yeah, no, I think we we have to get as many celebrities as we can mm-hmm. um, to... God, the, who plays... Who plays Zemnis? Which celebrity are we getting to play Zemnis? Uh, I mean, it has to be somebody with, like, a steel-cut jaw and who was willing to really buy into the bit. God. What if Christian Bale? Christian Bale could do it. Right? He did Batman, right? It's very similar. He also did American Psycho, which is yes, very no, similar. Again, very similar to Zemnis. Can we pull Vin Diesel in to play the guy with the axe whose name I never remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Alexeus. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because all he needs to be is, like, say very few words and be very muscular. That's that's easy. The emo scientist um, easy, Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Chalamet is a little waif of a man doing evil science. Uh, Zexion is who would be obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, I think it's great. Obviously, Jesse McCartney to play Roxas. Obviously. Um, I have a cursed pitch for Demix. Oh lord, which is uh, Josh Gad. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's good though. Is the problem? Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh god. Organization Thirteen's good. Actually, it's just that they never talk about how good they are in the games i really like 358 over 2 i think is actually one of my top three kingdom hearts games 
It's really good. I, I'm going to get you a DS and that game so you can play it because it is it is not an especially fun game, but God, you get to learn about those characters. I love each and every single one of them. They're so incredible. Even the ones whose names I don't remember, they have memorable designs and that's fine. God, Kingdom um, Hearts is good. Kingdom Hearts is good. So I think that's our I think that's our pitch to Mr. Michael Eisner. I think we we really um, just go in on a listen limited series. I'm talking two seasons. Oh yeah, it doesn't have to be longer. Budget. Than that. Mm-hmm. We just get in there. We put as many recognizable faces as we can, and then we. Sykes and Axel's uh, like love story is probably the main crux, and I guess Jesse McCartney. Yes, because um, they definitely dated. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Um. Yeah, that's that's good. That's real good. And then that's how we lead into the the Kingdom Hearts one, our two live action, whatever they're doing over there at Disney, allegedly. Yeah, and we we put that Canadian dollar store wig that Marty found. One hundred percent on Haley Joel Osment. Great. Oh God, uh, Layla, we are not again making Disney the best, incrediblest, most profitable, most beloved uh, media pitches of all time. Um, where can we be found on the internet? You can find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S uh, on Twitter and Tumblr, mostly Tumblr. Um, I am just working a lot recently. Um, I don't know if any of my games colleagues listen to this, but I'll be at GDC in March. Um, you know, looking forward to seeing the ocean again. Aaron, where are you? I'm at AaronSXL on Twitter and at AAVoit.com. Um, we're about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and writing. Uh, and I also do a YouTube channel that's at AA Voight on YouTube where I um, review tabletop games. Uh, I do another podcast that's uh, at The Bible Boys with my friends Michael and Josh. Um, I think we're talking about the Bible mini series that the History Channel did. Uh, I still got to watch that, but that should be weird and interesting. So that'll, that'll be a, a little bit of a lighthearted one. So please check that out. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. And you can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, how should we uh, close off this Valentine's Day? Oh, well, I don't know. I got to go because I'm always preparing for the worst. It's that immigrant mentality. Thank you. (laughs) We'll see you all uh, next week. (laughs) 